we are in a really significant moment as Trinity. Uh, I think there's been a, a regathering of us as a people, but the, as I was praying and preparing today, just the significance of the time that we're in just kept on flowing over me and into me and through me. I spent a, a, I had a day off on Friday and I was in the park and I just, just the significance of the moment that we're in at the moment, it's just incredible. Uh, and it's just exciting. So today, Duncan's down at Hatfield in another church and they're just seeing what God is doing in our midst and they're, they're not doing so well as a church themselves. And they're just looking in and they're going, you know, I want to be part of what you're doing. How do, we, how do we connect and how do we see the fruitfulness? And there's just a real expectancy upon us that God is doing something. That there's a significant moment in time where we're seeing God break through. And it's just exciting. Last week was an example of that as well, wasn't it? Last week, baptizing three people. Incredible. And today I'm just going to be closing this series talking about the death of Moses. So from Deuteronomy 34, and I'll just read it out now. It's not very long. It's only 11 verses. And then just look into what we can learn as a church in this significant moment, as significant people for God. So the death of Moses, Deuteronomy 34. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the whole region, from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants, and I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Poah. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt? To Pharaoh and to all his officials and to the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. Father, we thank you that we can look back at people who have lived obedient lives to you, Lord Jesus. Who have served you, Lord Jesus, wholeheartedly. And I just pray now, as I speak, Lord God, you'll be speaking into hearts and minds, Lord Jesus. I pray that your living water would flow. I pray that you'll provoke us, your people, Lord Jesus, to be your people on this earth today, Lord Jesus. I pray your spirit would rest heavily and powerfully upon us, Lord Jesus, that we would know the weight of the Holy Spirit, the glory and the manifest presence of you, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, these words would unfold, Lord Jesus, and speak into people's lives, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen.
Did anyone notice the, uh, the title that was given to Moses? The big title of God's big man on this earth. The, the one who's never done, uh, no, no one else has ever done. The title given to him, Servant of God. Servant of God. I, when I was preparing this week, Duncan always goes on about what he wants on his gravestone. Does everyone know what Duncan wants on his gravestone? Never heard it before. No, I've never heard it either. Jill, you know, well done. To live is Christ and to die is gain. I found out what I want on my gravestone this week. I've been longing to find out what it was. It's this, servant of God. That's all I want. Servant of God. People throughout the Bible were called servants of God. So David was called a servant of God. Moses, Abraham, they've given this wonderful title, servant of God. In their letters, when Paul's introducing himself, he calls himself Paul, a servant of God. Peter calls himself a servant of God. That is, that is our aim and aspiration. That is our desire and hope for all of us in this room. Servant of God. Servant of the one. It's often seen as this like negative term being a servant. And actually, historically, servant, being a slave, being servanthood, isn't always seen as like this good and powerful position. It's actually seen as like a lowly position, something where you don't kind of achieve much, where there's not, you know, you don't see much happen. You're just serving. You're, you're a servant. You know, if I introduce myself as a servant, you'd probably think, oh, <laughs> but servant of God is incredible. It's a different position to be submitted under the mighty hand of God, to be the servant of a mighty God. That's incredible. And the thing that struck me when reading through Moses and, and the sermon series, you know, the things that God can achieve through one person's lifespan. To an obedient servant, the amount that he can achieve. What happened? So, the exodus. God's people were in slavery. God spoke to his servant and said, go and talk to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. So the servant, Moses, listened to God, was obedient, submitted to God's will and went and spoke to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. He then saw the, the power of God breaking through. He saw the river Nile turn to blood. He, turned, he saw frogs all over the place. He saw, he saw people uh, get rashes and, uh, and get ill all over them. He saw, he saw the death of the firstborn. He spoke God's will in. He saw amazing things. And then he saw God's people get set free from slavery. And then he saw this like massive cloud. And he led like two million people out of, the, the, out of slavery through to the desert uh, and into the, 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 a place where they were like, okay, I'm just following this cloud. I'm not sure where I'm going. But it was the pillar of God directing them. God led his people out of slavery and brought freedom to all these people. They then come to this, this sea and they're like, oh, I can't cross it. What am I going to do? But God has led me here, so what's going to happen? And then Moses is told to raise his staff. The servant is told by God to raise his staff above the water and to tell it to separate, and it separates. 
And the people go through this sea on dry ground. Have you ever stood at the seashore looking over like to, the, the, to France you can sometimes see on a really good day? Imagine those waters just opening up on either side. The fish is like hitting the wall as you walk through on dry ground. It's incredible what God did. He took his people through the Red Sea by his servant, Moses. He saw God feeding these millions of people from heaven every day for years on end. He saw manna come down on the ground that people would just pick up and and they'd eat for their breakfast and their dinner. God sustained people through his servants' obedience. Quail came down. There was meat. Good. Sorry to anyone who's not. Don't mean to offend. He provided water from a rock on more than one occasion. He gathered the people of God and he made them a people. It says that Moses gathered them under God's wings. He gathered them in under God's wings. He created a people of God on the earth. He was able to enter in and see the Lord face to face. And he was given the Ten Commandments, telling the people and teaching them how to live as a people group. He came down and had to go up a second time because he broke them because he was so angry with the people because they were living in sin despite the fact that Moses was up getting the, the way to live. But he created this people and he went up and God gave him. He was a mediator between God's people and God. They won victories in battle. He created the the tabernacle. God spoke to Moses and told him, this is how you create the tent of meeting. And the tent of meeting was a place where the Holy Spirit would come and rest upon it. God's presence would be there. And they'd go into this tabernacle and the presence of the Lord would be there. It's incredible what God did through one submitted life to him. One submitted life to God. It's incredible. One servant who is willing to be obedient to the word of God upon his life. I can't preach this passage without talking about one of my absolute heroes. Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King was someone who fought for equality at his own expense for years and years. He fought for a people group. He fought for for equality and race relations. He fought, but not in the way that the world fought. He fought in the way that God would teach us to fight. He, He used peaceful protest, but he gathered people to this vision of equality and justice. And in this In this, uh, his last speech, he says these words. He says, I just want to do God's will. And I've been up to the mountaintop. This is the last speech that he said before he was murdered for his fight. I've been up to the mountaintop. And I've seen the promised land. And it really doesn't matter if I get, get there with you. Just like Moses, he's been up to the mountaintop 
and he's seen the promised land, but he sees the fight that he's fought. He has been a servant of God. He's listened to God and he's lived obediently to God to bring justice to a people, to bring equality to us. I love Martin Luther King. Do you know when he died? Do you know what date he was killed? April the 4th, 1968. The day after he said this, the day after he said this, he was shot dead. But I don't want to leave it there because at the moment it seems like you have to be like this big famous person or become a big famous person or the aim is to become a big famous person in order to be obedient to God. And we as a church have to say we fight against that. We're not looking for fame. We're not looking for accolade. We're looking to be submitted servants to Jesus and to see what glory he will bring on the earth. So I've got a next slide. These are heroes of mine. Heroes of mine. This is Bode on the left. You can't really see it from there, but Bode and his family, Moji and, and Laulu, and their daughter Ruth wasn't there. This is yesterday. Um, Bode was put in place as a, as a vicar, or not a vicar, pastor of a, of a church over in Boreham Wood yesterday. It's quite a small church, but he is being obedient to the call of God upon his life. God has said, do this, and he's gone, and he's done it. And he's taken up the mantle that God has done. He's been, been obedient to what God has said. Salmon is another hero of mine. I just see such a mantle of God upon him. And at the moment, he's stepping into that. And he's just a servant-hearted man, a man who loves Jesus, but steps into, obediently steps into the things of God. It's incredible. These people, you might not recognize them. They're on holiday in that photo. I've been on holiday today. But. Pat and Alan. Pat and Alan just ooze this kind of obedience to God. This humility, this obedience. It's okay, God is speaking, I will do it. I love the stories at the moment. I know we've shared it a few times, but Alan just, just thinking, oh, God has told me to go and meet some homeless people and talk to them about Jesus and give them biscuits and, and pray for them. I don't know where it's going, but it's his obedience, and he started going every Friday night, and we've talked about it a lot, but I love it, and I just, I just love it. And I could have done it, you know, as I look around this room, I could do it to so many people. I could say, you are my heroes. One thing I love about Trinity is that there is so many people who are already doing what I'm saying. You're just hearing, this is what God is saying. Therefore, I will be obedient and do what God has given me. I will walk out the walk in obedience, submitted to the mighty hand of God. And Trinity, that is why we get to these significant moments. It is because each of us are obediently stepping out in what God gives us. That is why we see the breakout of God in this place. And actually, if you're new here, it won't be long, and you've not, not been doing this stepping out, it won't be long before you catch it. Because you'll hang around with people, and you'll catch it all over the place. People just saying, I think this is what God is saying to me, therefore, this is what I'm going to do. I love it. I love it. It's not about fame. It's not about accolade. It's being submitted under the mighty hand of God. At the right time, he will exalt you. It's trusting that he has this plan, that he is outworking, and is that I'm obedient to him, he will outwork his promises 
over us. Come on. I love these people. I often, I can't go a week without thinking. You know, you're talking about the encounter night before. I sat there at the back just thinking, this place is full of amazing people. <laughs> just amazing people. God has gathered an amazing group of people who are obedient to his word. And that is why it's breaking out. And it's exciting. It's exciting. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not, catch it. <laughs> catch it. Okay, on the next slide, I've just got four things that, that help us to do this, like live out this submitted, obedient life to God. Now, one of the things is to get out of the anxious age. You notice Moses in this passage, he goes up the mountain to talk to God. He makes time, and you see it again and again. Whenever there's like this real need in the community, Moses would separate himself out, and he'd go and he'd spend time with God to hear the word of God. And I, I really get this sense that if we want to be continuing in the, the walk and obedience of God, we need to separate ourselves from this anxious age. We need to separate ourselves out, and we need to, need to spend time with God to hear his words. Because it's not just about being busy. Being obedient to God isn't just getting busy doing everything in front of you. It's not going, oh, this, this, this is a good idea. I'm going to do this. It's not, it's not just about being busy. It's not just about doing lots of stuff. It's about obedience to the voice of God. But if you're in an anxious age, you just get busy. Because there's so much need and, and so much that I could be doing. And, so much, oh, and then you just get torn in every direction. But actually, God says, separate yourself from that anxious age. Spend time with me, and I will speak to you. And I will direct you. And I will guide you. And you will know what you need to do to be obedient. I did this on Friday. I spent some time in Trent Park. If you've not been to Trent Park, it's a nice place to spend time with God. It's just like a wooded area, and it's so... And just those verses, the, the significant verses in Exodus 34, where it says this, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I just love those verses. Uh, that verse really spoke into me on Friday. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I needed to hear that on Friday. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love towards you. He loves it. When you separate yourself out from the anxious age, he loves to talk to you. He loves to encourage you. He loves to challenge you. He loves to provoke you. But you will know that the Lord is gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Once you spend time with God, the next step is to do what God says. <laughs> you will hear God's voice. The next step is to be obedient to the voice of God and to step out. Be obedient to the voice of God and step out. The Lord is gracious. It says that he has plans, he has purposes that he wants to catch you up in. It says, there's a psalm which says, The Lord uh, is a light, a lamp unto my path and a, 
a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You need to be hearing like the, the lamp. You need to be seeing, okay, what's the lamp? The next step and the light, what's the big picture picture? But he will guide and he, he will direct and he will take your steps. If you'll let him, if you'll be obedient to him, if you'll listen to what he says and do what he says, he will lead you on. And you'll see amazing, incredible things. The next one is to be holy. In this passage, I came to this passage originally before thinking about it, thinking there was a, a line in it that just always gets me. And it's, it's this, that, that Moses, you will not enter into the promised land. That, that comes because Moses in, in uh, Numbers 20 sins. And Moses uh, gets angry and loses trust that God is leading him. And he, instead of, instead of talking to a rock to make water come out, he hits the rock with a stick. Now, that might seem a little bit like a bit harsh of God. <laughs> but what it, it, it's a representative of actually God losing trust and faith in God is what it says it is. And that he's lost the faith that God is leading the people. And after that sin, God says, you're not going to enter into the promised land. Sin costs us kingdom advance. Sin costs us achieving the things that God has over your life. Be holy. Be hungry to be holy. Be hungry to live a life that worships God and lifts his name high. Be hungry to be obedient to him in that way. Submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. Repent of your sins. Now, I want to say that none of us are perfect. Not one of us is perfect. We all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. But that doesn't excuse us to stay in a place where we know we're sinning. It doesn't excuse us to remain and not repent. Not to turn away from our wicked ways. Repent. And this verse, these verses talk about actually the... We're going to take communion in a minute. They talk about Moses being a, um, a prophet like no other. But actually, a greater prophet arose. A greater prophet was born. Jesus Christ himself came down to earth to take your sins away from you, to die on a cross for you. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And we are going to take communion to celebrate that. But don't allow that sacrifice of Jesus. Don't allow that to think, okay, it's okay to sin now. It's okay to remain in that place of not honoring God with my life. Don't allow that, that sacrifice. In fact, take that sacrifice and say, Jesus, break the power of sin over my life. Break, that, that power has no power anymore. That's what it says in Romans. The power of sin has no power to hold you anymore because of that, because of Jesus dying on a cross, because of his blood, because of his body paying the price. It, it pays the price for you to break free and have increased freedom, to not live and remain in that place of sin. Be holy. And in your holiness, you'll see the advance of the kingdom. The final thing I have is that 
Joshua, son of Nun, was ready. He was ready to go. He was prepared to go. Moses, and you read the chapters leading up to it, and Moses fed into the next generation. Moses directed the next generation. Moses invited, uh, he said, come on, I'm going to go and spend time with God. Come on in with me. And it actually says one of the first times when Joseph, uh, Joshua has spoken about, it says that Moses left the tent of meeting, but Joshua didn't want to, so he stayed there all day because he was encountering God in that place. Moses taught Joshua my challenge to you, what part of the next generation are you feeding into? What part of the next generation are you discipling so that they continue the work of God on this earth? What, what part of it? Becky, you're doing quite a good job. Well done. <laughs> I just caught you in my eyesight. You're feeding into that next generation. But we as a church want to feed in. And it's not just, an, I know I pointed to Becca because Becca's our youth worker anyone who doesn't know but it's not just about age as well it's actually about feeding uh, into each other it's not just a downward uh, age to old age to young age it's a how are you feeding into the next generation of people all around you who will carry the kingdom of God around who will prioritize presenting themselves with Jesus who will prioritize listening to his voice, who will prioritize living a holy life, who will prioritize doing what God tells him to do. There's a, a verse which I've quoted a number of times in Peter, and it, it's a really significant verse to me. I think it is to Jerry as well, actually. You talk about this verse quite a lot, but, but about submitting yourself under the mighty hand of God. And at the right time, God will exalt you. And that is significant. You have to submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. Under his mighty hand. But know the promise that he will exalt you at the right time. He will lift it up. He will lift up what you are doing. I want to just tell a little story. Some of you might have seen that I've got a tattoo. Sorry. We can discuss the theology of it another time. <laughs> I was in Cambodia about five years ago, and I remember walking down the road and praying to God and thinking, and I don't know why, but I, I felt like God told me to get a tattoo. I felt like I should for an evangelistic purpose. And so I, um, <clears throat> on Friday, I got a tattoo. It's a little <laughs> ichthus fish. Jill, don't look so disgusted. It's a <laughs> Jill really hates tattoos. <laughs> Jill really hates tattoos. She was one of the people that I didn't want to tell. Um, <laughs> And my mum and dad, they're here next week, so keep it quiet. <laughs> if you see me in long sleeves next week, don't mention. But I felt like God was saying to do it. And, I, and, and honestly, I didn't want to do it. It's not me at all to, to have a tattoo or tattoos. or to. It's, it's not me. I, I, 
Anyway, let's, no, let's not go there. But I felt God saying to do it. And I just decided that I would finally do it six years later. <laughs> uh, do you know when things keep coming back at you? And I'm really praying that actually God uses it for evangelistic reasons. The, the reason I got an ichthus fish with a, with a cross in it is because I believe that I love God. That's the ichthus fish. I am a Christian, and the cross means because he first loved me. He first loved me when I was dead and in my sins and trespasses. God first loved me. I'm a Christian, but only because God first loved me. And I was having this discussion in the, in the tattoo parlor. She was my first victim. Um, but it was a really dark environment, actually. And she was, we were talking, and I said, have you ever been to, the church? Have you ever been to church? She'd actually opened the conversation with... Uh, you're the third vicar that I'm doing this on. <laughs> Are we that predictable? Uh, any, but <laughs> but we, and I said, so, okay, so if I'm the third, you must have heard the gospel by now. <laughs> and she said, no, I've never, I don't, what's the, like, what is it? And so I just got to sit there and just talk to her about Jesus. I said, has anyone ever spoken to you about Jesus? And she said as a kid, she grew up and she could see dark spirits all of her life. She's been able to see dark spirits. All of her life, she's been, uh, just been able to see it. And I said, and she said, darkness exists in all of us. And there's, I, was, I, was, I was like, at that time, oh, God, what am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to say into this? But I just, I'd been listening to a little bit of Emma Stark. And she was just saying, actually, that most people who see dark spirits have had encountered Jesus at some point in in these places and I just said have you ever met Jesus in these places have you ever seen Jesus come because he's the light of the world who rules all spirits she said I, I, I've seen light and I've seen light come in and I've seen uh, and I said okay have you have you ever read the gospel have you ever heard the gospel and I just got to tell her the simple gospel that Jesus loved her so much died on the cross for her for her sins she didn't accept Jesus. But anyway, that's, that's, the, that's the, 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 it's sowing seeds, it's true. It's sowing seeds, it's sowing seeds, it's sowing seeds, and it's just obedient steps. There's a, a verse in Psalms which says that, it says, I am confident of this, that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Be patient and wait upon the Lord. Be brave and very courageous. Be patient and wait upon the Lord. And I am confident of this, that as we continue obedient steps, big or small, we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We will see the goodness of God break out. We will see darkness flee. We will see healing come. We will see salvation. I am sure at Christmas there's going to be a fresh anointing on each one of us to share the gospel afresh with our families and friends. I am confident of this, that God has put something upon us of his authority on this earth. I am confident that he's breathing something fresh for 2022. I am confident that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'd just love to, to pray for us. I, the guys are going to come up and do communion, but I'd just love to pray for you. 
So if you want to stand in response. I met with a, a prophetic friend on Thursday and he said that people are feeling a little bit empty right now. He felt like there's some voids that need filling. So I just want to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you, fill you afresh, to fill those empty places. Lord God, I thank you that your word says that you fill the empty places, Lord Jesus, that you pour your spirit into our hearts to overflow. And I pray now, Holy Spirit, we stand here knowing that you're here and we ask you to fill the empty spaces now, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. We are your submitted servants, Lord. We're excited about seeing the goodness of God breaking out in this earth, Lord Jesus. But fill the empty spaces now, Lord. Pour your Holy Spirit into this place, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come.